Have you guys ever uh, started to have a conversation or say something and then it like totally falls out of your head? Yeah, right? Like you, you've had those moments where you've begun to have a conversation or you've walked up to somebody and went, ha? and just walked away, right? Because you have no idea what it was you were going to say. It was there and then it's blank. All of a sudden it's just, it's just gone. Like we, we've all had this happen. I'm not a doctor, but I think the medical term is brain fart, right? Like we've, we've, this has occurred before, right? This has happened. Like you call somebody on the phone and you say, they say hello and you go, I don't know why I called you. And they say, yeah, me either, right? And they hang up on you or something like that. Or, or you're sitting in the car with your kid and they ask you that question that you know the answer to but can't remember so you pull this trick. You go, oh, yeah, well, um, what do you think, buddy? Ah, yeah, because yeah, that's what I was thinking too, right? And, and we try these different things because for some reason it's like left our brain and it's floating in space. And the truth is there are times, man, we just... We just don't have the right words. We just can't remember. We can't, we can't quite express what it is that we think or what we want or what we feel or what it is that maybe, maybe we need. And this happens all the time. It happens in our relationships at home where you know, we're going to have this debate with our spouse about that really, really important thing that I just don't remember what it was right now, but man, it was important. Or we, we have these things where uh, we try to have these conversations at work and so we talk to our boss and we pitch that Thing that we've been working on or we go to a trivia night and they give that question about that tv show we binged and we're like oh yeah that character's name is karen right like things just begin to fall out of our head there are times where we just don't have words and it happens when we talk to god as well it happens when we pray as well see we're working on this unscripted series all about prayer and we're going to end it today. We've been working through the last few weeks. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of them or you've followed online if you've missed a few. Uh, but we've talked about prayer and how, how should we pray? How do we talk to God? Are we, are we allowed to talk to God? Is there a right way to talk to God? How do they talk to God in the Bible? And it's all based around this idea we've been discussing that, man, it is okay to pray unscripted. It's okay to pray unscripted. And we started out by looking at the very first prayer in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. And then we moved along and, and we saw a template for prayer that came from Jesus himself. And then we spent one week just asking questions about prayer or problems or fears that maybe we had with it. Like, like things like falling asleep during prayer or, or fear of praying or maybe just being unsure. Does prayer even matter? Does it work? Should I even do it? At all, And hopefully over these past few weeks, you've begun to take some risks in your prayer life. You've begun to try to pray unscripted, and hopefully you've prayed more. And maybe more real or authentic than you've prayed in a long, long time. But what do we do when we go to pray about something inside of us? And we just don't have the words. We don't have the words to express what it is. See, today we're going to look at a passage that talks about not having those words. And we're going to see that really that's okay. It's okay not to have the right words. That there's a good reason that there are times in our life where we just don't know what to say. That things occur that leave us speechless or leave us without having those words. And when those times pop up, man, we don't have to feel bad about it. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to feel unworthy. And we don't have to revert back to a scripted list. 
We don't have to go back to a checklist of the things that we're supposed to pray about. God is still God, even when you and I don't have the words. So if you have your Bible this morning and you want to grab one from the pew there in front of you, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and you can follow along on a Bible app, or if you have the North Point app, feel free to open that up. Uh, there's the this week's talk portion. It's going to have all of these verses, some points, uh, and then the sermon-based questions as well, because if you're like me, uh, you're going to take some notes, and then later on this week in your life group, you're going to use those to kind of have some great conversation, or you're going to talk at home with your family or your own study. So we encourage you, man, check that out on the North Point app. Follow along with this week's talk, but we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, and the thing about uh, what we're looking at, the thing about all of Romans in general, is man it is just rich full of theology like it is some heavy eating at times just thick 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 as you begin to get into it and the thing is Romans Romans is written by a guy named Paul and Paul's story is a crazy one he started out hating Jesus and anybody who was following Jesus, he wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, he wanted to beat him up, he wanted to throw him in jail, and he wanted to organize ways to kill people who were following Jesus. He wanted to destroy Jesus and Jesus' followers. And then he met Jesus. And it changed everything for him. He went from being the guy that wanted to get rid of Jesus to the guy who couldn't stop talking about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. And so Paul actually begins to travel all across the known world talking about Jesus in city after city after city. And he's planning these churches. And they're popping up. And as soon as the church gets established, he goes to another city. And when he does that, he writes letters back to all of these churches. And for us today, the letter that he writes is to the church in Rome, and he's writing to both religious and non-religious people, people that may have had a Jewish religious background, people that maybe had a pagan religious background, or people that had like no religious background, but right now, man, they're a part of the church. They are following after Jesus. They are moving towards a life devoted to Jesus, and these people that he's writing to, man, they're experiencing some sort of persecution in their life. Like for being a Jesus follower, they recognize that man, uh, either themselves or somebody they know has been beat up, has been tossed in jail, uh, maybe tossed away from their family or friends because of following after Jesus. And so that's where we're at here in Romans. And at times the passage that we're going to read today, uh, it feels a little, a little heavy to go through. But we're not going to dive into everything. We're just going to take a bird's eye view. So we're going to step back and we're going to look at this passage uh, from, from way up high. And we're going to see what is it that it has to do with prayer. We're going to see how does this relate to prayer. So we're not going to cover everything uh, because there's like stuff as we're going to read through it. You're going to go, hey, what does that mean? And we may not talk about it, but we're going to just focus on this from the aspect of prayer talking to God. And, and we could spend all day going through this. But I know some of you guys want to go home and like take a nap and watch a basketball game or something later on today. So, uh, so we won't take forever, but we're going to look at this passage and what it has to say about prayer. So Romans chapter 8 verse 18 right here is where we're going to start. Paul says this, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been, check out this word here, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, here it is again, we groan inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So there's a ton of stuff here. We're just going to step back and look at it from, from a broad perspective. And we're just going to look and see what does it have to do with prayer. And I think if we were to kind of sum up what Paul is trying to get across here, I think what he's saying is basically this. He's saying, hey, guys, look, our world is broken. That we live in a world that was created to be perfect. And because of sin, because of us choosing to do things our way, instead of the way that God designed it to be, the world has been broken. And as a result, man, there is there's suffering in the world. That we have pain, that we have sickness, that we have disasters and death and loss in the world. And we know this, right? Like we, we feel that this world has been broken in some way. In fact, Paul says the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. The entire world groans. In other words, it feels that something is off. That this isn't the way it was supposed to be. That, that something's different. That something's not right here. See, back in Genesis, when God created everything, he took six days of creation, and after every day, he looked at it, and he said, man, that is good. That is good. And that is good. And that is good. And then he rested. And he said, it is all so good. And in the midst of that creation, he, he brought up the first two people in all of humanity. He brought up Adam and Eve, and he looked at him, and he said, man, hey, you have got all of this goodness. And he said, I put two trees in here. There's this tree of life, and this is doing things my way. You can eat of this at any time, and it is good, and it is going to give you life. But then there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of choosing to do things uh, your way, of you defining good and evil. If you eat of that tree, man, then you're going to be doing things your way and not my way. And that result, man, that's death. That's brokenness over there. It's your choice. You can do this. My tree is good, or you can do your way over there. And Adam and Eve did what all of us have done. They chose to define their own version of good and evil. And they went their own way of doing things. And as a result, man, sin entered. And it broke everything. It broke creation. And when it happened, man, death came in. And disease came in. And disaster came in. And that's why Paul says, man, creation itself is groaning. Because it feels that uneasiness. It feels that, man, this is not what it was supposed to be. Something is uneasy right now. Man, I have an amazing 14-month-old little girl. She is the best. Uh, like a week ago, she just popped up and started walking, and I've been chasing her ever since. Like, she is incredible. And she does this thing where when she is unhappy, she groans. Yeah, like she will, will groan. And sometimes it's just when she has needs. Like when she's hungry, we've taught her sign language for please. And so she'll look at us and go, you know, uh, and like points an apple or, or like carrots or like my chicken nuggets, which we're trying not to give her, like all those things that she wants to eat. And so there's these gentle groans of her letting me know like she wants something. Okay, we, we get those. And there's, there's also these groans that are more like a roar, right? Like when she doesn't get her way, like she's like, roar, like, and it's like, it scares you. You're like, easy, Simba. Okay, it's going to be all right. all right. But she's got another groan. And, and then there's this third groan. And these are the 3 a.m. groans, right? This is when there are tears coming down her face. I'm patting her and shushing her, and we've got Snuggle Puppy coming across the Google Hub. Now, if you don't know, yeah, right. If you don't know what Snuggle Puppy is, just trust me, it's awful. 
okay? Like, it is the worst, okay? Don't, go home, Google it, and hate me later. But, like, these are the things that we go through. And she groans to these things. And we know her groans. We know her groans so well because it tells us that there is something uneasy in her little world. That there is something that she does not like. There is something uncomfortable. There is something uneasy. And Paul says that, man, creation groans to let us know and that something is uneasy. Something is not the way that it's supposed to be. Paul also tells us that we as Christ followers, man, we groan as well. We groan as well. And we're going to see in a second who causes this groaning. But the reason is that, man, we feel uneasy as well. Because we recognize that there is something uneasy or there is something broken in this life. And Paul relates this groaning to being like labor pains. Like labor pains. Like we know what labor pain is like, right? Like ladies, we understand that. Like you've either uh, experienced it, you have witnessed it, you have heard stories about it, you have seen it acted out on TV. But we know like labor pains, and they are painful. And they are intense pains. And it's the body communicating that, hey, something different is happening. Something, something new, something that is totally different than what was happening before is going on right now. And Paul says, man, this groaning, this uneasiness that we feel around us, man, this is, this is like a labor pain. And he says, man, but hold on in the midst of that labor. Because after the labor comes new life. That's something new. Something fresh, something beautiful comes once you go through the labor pain. That the pain has a purpose, but it requires patience. And as Christ followers in a world that is no longer our world, man, we can feel that labor. And yet Paul tells us to hold on, to be patient. And he ends this little section by telling us that we have hope that one day, it gets better, that it gets good. And Paul uses words like, like free and glory and adopted, redeemed bodies and saved. And man, we love those words a whole lot more than, than pain and groaning, right? And Paul is trying to let those who are reading this letter know that one day, man, God is going to come and he's going to establish a kingdom that is good. But not just one day, man, he is working on establishing that good today. And it requires patience, which if you were like me, man, patience is so hard. Did I mention 3 a.m. snuggle puppy, right? Like there is this thing about patience that is just tough, but we've got help. We've got help. And here's the prayer part begins to kick in. Verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul says that we have to wait for things to get good with patience and then immediately follows that up acknowledging that we are not good at that. He says you got to wait for it with patience but I recognize like we are not patient people. We are not good at this and when it comes to being patient we're weak and we need help and so God sends his spirit to help us in this weakness. He goes on he says for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, there it is again, too deep for words. See, now there are times when we just have no idea what to say. 
Sometimes it's when our kid maybe asks that tough question. Sometimes it's when the boss calls us into the office. Sometimes it's when our wife asks us which of these two outfits looks best. Yeah, yeah here, ladies, give me like 10 seconds. Fellas, listen in real quick, okay? I'm going to help you out with this one. Most of the time we don't know what to say. Here's what you say, all right? Pause long enough so that she knows you've thought about it. She does not want a quick answer. Do not make that mistake. Pause, and then you pick one. It doesn't matter, right? Like, you don't care. You don't care. She cares. You don't care. Okay, so you pick one, and when she asks you the question, why, the answer is simply this, because you look so beautiful, okay? The reality is she looks beautiful to us, right? So we can say that. Now, is that going to make things go quicker? No, no. Is it going to keep you out of trouble? Yes. Okay. All right. So hold on to that one. Most of the time we don't know what to say. That's what you say in that situation, right? But there are tons of times that we just don't have words. There are tons of things that occur in our life that we don't know what to say. And there are also times, man, when we just don't know what to pray. What do we talk to God about in this? This is why scripted prayers can be so appealing. It is so easy to just have a checklist of things to knock off. And it's easy just to have a routine prayer that we say again and again. And on the surface, man, these things aren't bad. It's not bad to have things that you pray about often. But there are times, man, when we feel a groaning inside, and it just leaves us without words. And when we look at the context of what Paul says right before this verse, we see that the groaning inside of us comes from an uneasiness that something is not the way that it was supposed to be. And Paul is revealing that we have the Spirit of God moving inside of us, revealing that uneasiness, revealing that something is off. Quite a few years ago, I had a buddy of mine uh, who was going through a really hard time. And so he made the poor decision to drink way too much and get in his truck. And as a result, he went the wrong way on the highway and had a head-on collision with the van. And the good news is that the little girl in the back of the van survived. The bad news was that her mom, who was driving, did not. And when we all got news of this, man, we groaned inside. Because on one hand, my friend is not a bad person. He's a great guy who made a terrible decision. I wanted mercy for him. I didn't want to see his life thrown upside down. I didn't want to see him going to prison. I wanted mercy for him over here. And on the other hand, I recognize that for this family, mom wasn't coming back. And that loss was always going to be there, and I wanted justice for them. And we groaned inside. And we didn't know what to say. And we didn't know what to pray. Because the Spirit moves inside of us to groan. And when we see something that is not the way that it's supposed to be, it groans inside of us. But it doesn't just stop right there making us feel torn apart. No, it, it does more than that. And we see verse 27. It says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. See, the incredible thing here is that Paul is telling us that the Spirit of God talks to God the Father on behalf of us. Think about that for a second. 
The Spirit of God inside of you talks to God the Father for you. That when we groan inside because we have friends that maybe are getting a divorce and we, we hurt for them and we want healing for them and we honestly don't care whose fault it is because truth is we just love, we love both of them and we groan for them. Or when we lose a loved one that causes groaning. And I found out this Thursday that a friend of mine died. All of a sudden, I'm on my way into work. I get a phone call, and he had passed away of a massive heart attack that morning. And I'm, I'm driving into work, and I'm crying, and I'm punching the steering wheel, and I'm praying to God, and I'm struggling with all this because my heart is groaning. And, man, I was joyed knowing that my friend is with Jesus, but I am, I'm hurting for his wife and his two little kids. And I'm praying that the Spirit of God would bring comfort to them, and I'm questioning why it even had to happen the way that it did. And I groan inside, and I hurt inside. And what this verse tells us is that when we have these times when we don't have words because of the brokenness that is all around us, we still have a God who searches our hearts, and a spirit who speaks on our behalf according to the will of God. And when those times occur, man, when you are just without words on the inside, when all of a sudden that sickness sets in, when that relationship issue is just slicing down your marriage, when that, when that career change is just right there on the verge, and you begin to feel that uneasiness inside, that something is off, that something is, is just wrong. It's not the way that it's supposed to be, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to say. Know this, it is not about the words. It's not about what you say. It's not about the words that you begin to pray, but rather it's about having a God who knows your heart, who searches your heart, and the Spirit of God who speaks for you when you can't find the words. We don't have to pray the right words. We don't have to make sure that there's nothing left off of the list. And, and we don't have to repeat ourselves again and again and again, thinking that if I don't bring it up this time, God is not going to hear me. He's, gonna think, he's just going to think it doesn't matter. We don't have to continue these kinds of cycles of fear. We have a God who looks into our heart and sees exactly what causes this groaning inside of us and whose spirit speaks on our behalf for the will of God. And then he gives us this assurance in this very next verse, verse 28. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. See, our heart groans when we recognize the brokenness in the world around us, and it can leave us Speechless. It can leave us not knowing what to say. It can leave us without words, unsure of what to say to God or what to even ask or what even needs to be done in a situation. And in that, God will search our heart. And he'll hear the Spirit speaking for us when we don't have words. And as a result of that, we have hope and trust that God will work things out for good for those who follow him. And the key there is to pay attention to exactly what this passage says. It says for good. 
here's the thing. The good that is worked out is the good that comes from the will of God. Not my will. Not your will. It's God's will. And it's God's good. See, the hard part is we, we don't get to define the good. And the truth is we probably couldn't define it even if we wanted to. What we are promised here is that in the midst of a broken world, with broken relationships and broken bodies and broken motivations, we have a God who knows our heart and works things out for what is good. I have no idea what good comes from losing my friend. My heart groans for his children. My heart groans for his wife. And I don't know I don't know why he's no longer here. I don't have the words. But what I do have is the assurance that God understands and that he is in control in the midst of all this brokenness. It's not my version of good. It is not how I would do things. This is not my good, but somehow, some way, God is making this groaning and this brokenness the right good. So then what do we do? What do we do with all of this? If we know we're broken, if we know there are times where we groan inside and we've all had those experiences, man, where we're just left unsure of what to do and we don't even know what to pray. We don't even maybe want to talk to God because we're just so unsure of all of it. What do we do? And Paul is telling us, recognize the brokenness around it. And we can feel it, and it causes this uneasiness inside of us. And in spite of the brokenness, and in spite of this uneasiness, we can trust and hope that God is still indeed in control. So when we come to moments where we don't know what to say to God about our family, or our job, or our friends, or our careers, that's okay. That's okay. It's not about having the right words because God truly searches the hearts and he knows how to make it good. Maybe not how we do good, but the right kind of good. So then I want to challenge us to do these three things. These three things. Number one, I want to groan. Groan. Allow God's spirit to move you when you see that something is broken. It is completely okay to feel uneasy about the fact that we live in a world that is not originally designed to have the issues or the struggles that we have today. And as Christ followers, man, we should be burdened when we see pain in other people, when we see sickness in other people, when we see injustice in other people. It should cause the spirit to groan inside of us and long for that day when things will be made good. So it's okay to groan. So go ahead and do it. And once you groan, man, then hope. Hope. As trusting that in whatever situation has left you groaning, whatever situation has left you without words, that one day God will make it good. That this is not the end. That you are not left alone that it doesn't stay broken. See, hope is trusting that God will make things the right kind of good. 
Hope says that whatever's going on, and it gets better. It gets better. So groan and hope. And then trust the good. Trust the good. Uh, and if I'm being honest, man, this, this is a hard one for me. I, I, I can feel the hurt around me. I can feel that brokenness. I, I can feel the injustice. I can feel the pain. I have no problem with that. And I can believe that God will make it good. But I struggle that his good is better than my good. I told you sometimes my daughter, she groans for things. Sometimes for good things, uh, like a snack or a drink, or for bubbles. She loves bubbles right now. And so she'll groan for those things. But she also groans when we don't let her pick things out of the trash. She also groans when we don't let her bite down on that power cord. And the reason for all of that is she is learning to trust even when she doesn't get it. Because to her, that is good. But I know better. That as dad, I hear her. I hear her groaning. I hear her uneasiness about this. But yet I know what she needs, even when it's not what she wants. So we've spent the past few weeks talking about the fact that and we can pray unscripted. We can talk to God in an authentic way about what matters to you. And doing so with confidence and trust that God does hear and God does care. And sometimes talking to God is unscripted because we just don't know what to say. We don't have the words. Like standing on a stage in front of a crowd of hundreds of people and not having the words. And that's okay. Because the truth is God hears your heart. He knows what makes you groan. And he'll make it the right kind of good. So let's talk to him now.